Do you find yourself running out of time to accomplish your work? Are you spending time doing things that you're not that good at? There are effective ways to outsource these tasks so you can focus on your business. This is the Virtual Success Show. We bring the inside scoop on outsourcing success for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Malouf and Barbara Turley. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Virtual Success Show, where today I'm flying solo without my co-host, Matt Malouf. When we have guests on the show, which we do today, often we find it's easier to get really good guests if we can if we can split the shows up and not have our own schedules getting in the way. So today, on today's show, I'm really excited because I'm talking to Brian Castle, who is the founder of Audience Ops and also has a fantastic podcast called, it's called the Productize Podcast, Brian, is it? Yeah, actually I have two podcasts, but yeah, yeah. Productize Podcast and the other one that I co-host with Jordan Gal is called Bootstrapped Web. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So guys, today we're going to talk all about all things content because and managing teams when it comes to content and how to get content up on your site without it overwhelming you. I know one of the questions I get a lot at Virtual Angel Hub is, you know, clients who have VAs through us will say, well, how do I get a consistent stream of content, particularly when a VA is able to actually do quite a lot of work with that content. But, you know, one of the challenges is trying to um, actually get consistency in this area. So Brian's going to talk to us all about this today and his own journey with managing teams in this area. So Brian, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Barbara. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. And I, I just love talking about this stuff, whether it's outsourcing, working with a team, collaborating, managing people, growing. Me, yeah. me too, because I think you know, one, of the, one of the key things to actually growing or scaling is getting this right, because so many people can't nail this. And it will trip you up if you can't figure out how to manage a team once you start to grow, as you and I have just been talking about off air, Brian. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. The whole, the whole challenges of it. Okay, so to kick off the show, give us first the quick, you know, audience ops, the productized podcast, all about you. So give us, give us the quick. What are you doing these sure. days with your businesses? Um, yeah, I, I tend to like to work backwards from in, in the story. So today I'm running my business, audience ops, and as you said, that's a, a content marketing done for you service or productized service, if you will. Um, we've been at this, uh, two and a half years now or so. And, uh, we've got a great team of, of writers and editors and project managers. They're all based here in the U S we're, we're all remote and, and I'm here in Connecticut in the U S near New York city. Um, the team is spread out around the U S but then we have a small team of, uh, assistants in the Philippines and a couple, I work with a couple of software developers on some of our tools, uh, there in Eastern Europe. Um, so we're all, you know, in Slack every day and we've got, uh, remote working collaboration tools all set up. Um, so that's what takes up most of my time. Uh, the other stuff that I do is, uh, on my personal site over on castjam.com. That's where I have my, my email newsletter. I talk about entrepreneurship and running a business, um, I teach a course and I do some coaching around uh, that's called productize and that's, uh, all about building a productized service similar to what I've been doing with audience ops. Um, before audience ops, I ran a business called restaurant engine. I worked on that for about four years and then sold it in 2015. And that was a, um, a, uh, web design service, uh, software and service for the restaurant industry. 
Um, so I bootstrapped that for a couple for about four years and then working backwards from there, my, like I'm basically a designer, web designer by trade. And I did that as a solo freelance person for a while. And, uh, yeah, that kind of works way back. Yep. So what I love about this story is that you, you started out in that kind of probably freelance world doing a bit of web design. And all of a sudden today you're running separate, like different businesses. You've got two podcasts on the go. You've got a massive amount of content getting out there and you have a family. You've got young children at home and you're yep. able to have time to be on these podcasts all over the world with other people yeah. to promote. I also, yeah, I also didn't mention. Um, so right now we're all we're settled down in our home in Connecticut and uh, East Coast of the United States. But in 2015 into 2016, my family and I actually got into the car and we went like coast to coast and lived in different places around the U.S. with our one-year-old daughter at the time and our dog. Uh, spent about seven months out there on the road living in different Airbnbs. So that was – and oh, I was wow. – at the time, I was actually launching audience ops throughout that whole period yeah. and uh, so kind of like traveling and working. Yeah, There's so much gold <laughs> in this for the listeners because, you know, we have people listening to this show that are struggling to even get one business with one VA going and <laughs> is successful. So, you know, like people find this delegation thing quite difficult. And one of the goals of this show is to bring people like yourself on that are actually running a lot of people. And are still having a life, which is the, the the big thing. So, how many people have you got now in the total team? Um, it's about fifteen of us right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's great. So that's a, that's a massive team for to run everything and to to be communicating with people all day. So let's like pair it right back. First of all, let's talk about the beginning when you started with you know getting bringing team members on. Did you did you always find you were successful at it, or what were the initial challenges when you started working with a lot of people to to build various businesses that you've done? Yeah, uh, well, certainly not successful from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a it's, it's such a journey. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I feel like hiring and uh, and managing people is one of those things that um, you do get better and better at it over time, and and I learn new things all the time. But it's also very. Um, it's just very error prone, I guess. I, I like it's, yeah. it, I'm, I'm always learning that it's super unpredictable. Um, I guess just looking back to, to the early days, my very first experiences of, uh, hiring somebody would be back when I was like a freelance designer, I would hire on other designers or developers or copywriters to, you know, basically contract out pieces of my projects. Um, and I did that quite a bit and actually grew my web design business to a point where I wouldn't necessarily call it an agency, but I was taking on multiple projects and working with, you know, five to eight different contractors at any given time. Um, which could, have you been, know, some, could be, could be like that, that can be very stressful if you don't know how to do it right. Cause you're the one managing all the projects. So the client deliverables and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, definitely had some hard lessons learned there working with different contractors who didn't de deliver, they weren't reliable or that, and I would have to redo their work and all that kind of stuff. Um, Actually, so, I just want to pause there yeah. for a second, just for the listeners, right? Because an awful lot of people will say to us at Virtual Angel Hub, oh, you know, it's the Philippines and, you know, I, I won't get the quality and, you know, I'll have all these issues. How many of these people were sort of Western or US that you were working with at the time that you still had these same issues? Because it's people, right? Yeah. Well, so I, you know, I've worked on different businesses over these past few years. So there are different phases of, of all this. Um, when I was doing web design stuff, uh, I worked with 
I'd say mostly US based designers and developers. I think in, in that period I learned, um, that it, it just paid Like, I think I did experiment with outsourcing to developers overseas. And at the time I was pretty inexperienced with that. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, they just didn't deliver or, yeah. you know, un- unreliable. Again, I was pretty new at that. And, and it was like, I'd say eight years ago or so. So it's, it's not <laughs> exactly the same, the, the same market words. as it is today. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I, back then I, I learned that, I mean, I was working on projects that had pretty high budgets too. So I could afford to hire a developer in the United States for certain pieces. Um, so that was kind of the consulting business, but then into restaurant engine, which was like a bootstrapped SaaS service type business with, with a much lower price point, um, going for a high quantity of customers. That's where I really had to, um, focus on keeping costs down and being super efficient with everything. Um, and that's really where I started to get more experience with outsourcing to assistance in the Philippines. Um, I, our, our entire customer support team on that business was in the Philippines. Um, and, uh, and that, that enabled me to not only build up that business, but, uh, I was still balancing the consulting work, like the design consulting work with building up that business early on. Um, and so having that team in place, helped to free me up to work on consulting projects to fund building that business. And then eventually I phased out the consulting and stuff. But And what about, uh, yeah. so talk to me about, so that the customer service team for the restaurant business, talk to me about the early stages of getting that together. I mean, I want to get into processes and systems here because one of the things that really trips people up, there's a couple of things, um, systems and processes, not having them is the first yeah. thing that really trips people up. So did you know this before or did you learn this by being tripped up by, by not having them I, yeah, I probably, yeah, exactly. I think I learned that really early on in building restaurant engine. And actually the thing that I learned there was, um, you know, at that period I was really, really busy and every day was very hectic. Um, and I felt that because I was so busy and hectic, that's why I should like, I, at the time I felt like I need to hire help because I'm too busy. I have too many things to deal with. But I, but at that point I, I wasn't truly ready to hire because I didn't have the tasks nailed down as repeatable processes. I just knew that I had a lot of tasks that needed to be taken care of. And so I do remember that the very first VA that I hired, the person was very talented, great communicator and everything. But, um, I Disaster. found that I would, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like I, I gave, I, I gave, I, um, it was years ago now, I think it was a, a her, <laughs> I gave her, um, uh, a couple of projects and she did them and then I didn't have anything new for her to do, but I was still very busy. I was like, well, I can give her this thing, but then I have to spend a day training her on that thing. And then when she's done, we're back to square one. So I think you didn't I have a recurring, her. you didn't have like, cause yeah. I would say to clients, like I actually, it's funny because when clients come to us and they say, Oh my God, I need a VA yesterday. We actually will sort of say, yeah, you're going to just create another job for yourself right now because you almost need to kind of learn to slow down right now in order to speed up in the future. So you sort of have to kind of take a pause somewhere in the business if you're not prepared. Like because training and onboarding is a a whole challenge in itself. Yeah, and I think it was also – 
at that time, it was also uh, the nature of my business and the business model. So like the consulting business was very varied. Every project was different. So there, there really wasn't anything that was totally repeatable. It wasn't until I started building Restaurant Engine, which was a systemized business. And that's where I started to finally identify, okay, these things have to get done every week. And even when we're supporting customers, these are the most common problems that come up because it's a very focused product. And so that's where I started to identify, okay, if I hire a VA, I know that at, at the very least they can do these five things every week and then I'll give them some more stuff on top of that. And, and then that's, that's what, what built that up. And, that, and then from really there, yeah. And actually, I just want the listeners to pause here for a second because that's a really key point because often people think, particularly people in consulting businesses that, like what you said, don't have – every project is so different – and they, because they're really hectic, they come in looking to get a VA. When, when maybe a VA, like, you know, I mean, an assistant in the Philippines or offshore, sometimes that may not be the right solution for them. So you've also got to think about, like, you, you know, it may be better to just have a friend of a friend or, or someone's, you know, mom who's free two days a week to come into your office and actually work with you rather than getting somebody offshore in that particular instance. You know, because right. you, you know, I think when you don't have repeatable processes or you don't have a sense of what's going on daily, weekly, monthly, it can be difficult to, to really um, delegate stuff to, a, to an offshore VA. Absolutely. And then, I mean, and then as time went on, yeah, I mean, in that, in, in that previous business, it's just building up a library of processes and, and, to, and just methodically and systematically taking myself out of each individual piece, whether it's like sending our weekly newsletter, supporting customers, Eventually, I brought, I got myself out of the sales process, uh, you know, updating features, like all that stuff was. Uh, and how long do you think? So, because I love that whole process of the 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 firing yourself from your business process, right? That that you have to go through, especially if you want to, as you know, to productize a business and kind of get something scalable. How long do you think that process for that business really took you in order to nail it? Um. It was a long time. I, so in, in that business, I started it, at, it from the time I started to to when I exited in 2015, that was about four years. Um, I would say it wasn't until the th like the end of the third year into the fourth year when that business would have been truly ready to hand off to a new owner. Um, yeah. too, like too many things would have de depended on me. Um, so it, it was like in that last year. Yeah. What's really interesting to me about that is again, I see clients where they get very tripped up sometimes who are newer to this is that they hear that getting a VA or building a team is the way to kind of fire yourself from a business, but they're expecting it to happen in the first two to three months. When I would argue that, you know, depending on the business, I mean, I think that's a 12 month project, even when you know what you're doing. Like if you, if you, if you, you know, I mean, you need, you need, to, I reckon you could do it in six months if you really know what you're doing and you've done it before, but 12 months, really, that's the kind of timeline. Yeah. And, and I find that the business changes naturally and, and you have to keep re, redoing this whole process. Or, <laughs> the or processes evolve. <laughs> I mean, in my current business audience ops, and you know, this is kind of like my second time around with the business. So it started off much more systematic with processes and I was more experienced by the time I started audience ops. Um, but now like we're two and a half years into it and I'm like a systems freak and still it's, uh, it, that's like, like me we're still, though. Yeah, I agree with like, we're still yeah. redoing things now, you know, it's, it's still, um, it never th there ends, are different though. Yeah. Yeah. Like as the team grows, like it's, it's, uh, processes are different when you have five people versus 15 people. 
Um, when you have five clients versus 25 clients, you know, it's, it's a different new, new systems need to be introduced or the product or the service might change. You have to update things. So, so what would you say to people? I mean, obviously you're a bit like, it sounds that we've talked about this before. Uh, You become a kind of a systems and process junkie a bit because you kind of have to, if you want to build something that is scalable. So often people will say to me as well, oh, I just, I just don't have time to build systems and processes. I mean, what would you say to somebody like that who's also hectic? Yeah, and I get it. Like I, I know how like tedious and boring that kind mm-hmm. of stuff could be. Um, and it bogs me down too. But at the same time, I just know how valuable it is because I feel like my thing is I don't ever really want to work on something and know that I'm going to have to work on this thing again. Like, I'm like that, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm working on something... I'll spend an extra hour or an extra day just to make sure that I work on it and then build a system so that it can run without me after this. Um, so that's, that's the thing. And, and I, and I think the payoff is having that freedom, being able to go on vacation, go traveling or, um, or, or spend my time doing more valuable things, you know, building new products or marketing or whatever. And, Mm. um, so uh, let, and not getting bogged down in like the service and the day-to-day stuff. So let's talk about audience ops a bit more because I'm really interested in this area because it's you're managing writers. You know, there's writers. You've got uh, you've got lots of te- people. The, the main core thing is writers, though. So right. when you so uh, talk to me about the whole process there. So somebody comes on audienceops.com. They sign up for the the service there, and you know how does the flow go from 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 there? Yeah, how do you well, that whole I, process. Well, I will say that, um, so yeah, audienceops.com, you, you could just come to the homepage and sign up, but nobody just signs up. It, it, that, the price point is high enough that they're going to want to speak to somebody before they sign up yeah, typically. Of course, yeah. Um, so usually what happens is they fill out our consultation form on the homepage. Uh, that will, then I, I have a pretty good process now. It, it's gone through many iterations, but basically they fill out that form. Um, and then immediately they're taken to my calendar to book a consultation with me or one of our salespeople. And then immediately after they book the consultation, they're directed to a demo video. They watch, it's like 10 minutes long and it's just everything, how audience ops works, our pricing packages, different options, everything you kind of need to know. And then from there we'll have our call probably in the next day or two. Um, and by the time I get on the call with somebody, they've already seen the video, they've seen our pricing, they've, you know, we're also sending them emails in the background. So, um, I love you that. Know, You've, the, the, I can imagine the sales you, calls become much shorter easier. and yeah. easier and shorter. Yeah. So this is a great little system that you've built in order to indoctrinate people before they even get on that call. Cause I've gone through this little process with you. I've seen that and thought that's gold because on a sales call and for anyone listening that has to do sales calls, often you've got to get through a lot of information on a sales call. And if people kind of get, they only hear what they want to hear. Um, So it can cause problems in the onboarding down the track because they forgot what you said on the call. Yeah, exactly. And, and I used to do that, that little demo presentation. I used to do that live, like one-on-one with every sales call. And not only did it just kill my voice and, you know, I'd have like the script, like <laughs> people don't know. listen then cause you're so bland <laughs> by the time you get to the, yeah, exactly. And like some days I'd just be too tired and, and they, and it wouldn't go so well. And like, you know, it, it would, it was not very good. So well, I'll give you a tip just, listeners. Yeah. I'm stealing this idea for virtual angel hub because I reckon this is a gold one and this is nothing to do with outsourcing. This is actually thinking about efficiency of process and the, yeah. 
the you utilizing your people resources in the best possible way so you know like shortening the sales call um you know getting more effective not causing problems down the track for your team when they're trying to onboard later yeah things like that uh, but but yeah i mean like you asked about like how, how does it work from there so person signs up either with me over the call or they come back to the site and sign up there um as soon as their account is opened this is where it becomes more manual uh, mm-hmm. on our team so um i'll get a notification and then I take the, the new client's information and I send it on to my team. And basically, I will take a couple hours to figure out, all right, who's going to be the manager, who's going to be the writer, who will be the editor and the assistant. And we assign those people as dedicated people to that account. Um, so I send an email to that group, say, hey, we've got a new client. Here's all their information. Here are my notes about that new client. And then the manager sends them an email, uh, usually within a day or two days, and uh, they'll schedule the kickoff call. And then from there, like I'm basically completely hands off. So the manager is taking over, the writer gets on the call with the client and the manager and they are, with your team. So do you have pods of people that work together all the time or is there a project manager working with a different set of people for each project? That's a good question. Yeah. We, we kind of tried to go the pods route uh, a while back. Mm. Um, that that would be theoretically easier, but the problem we run into is um, I assign writers to to clients based on like strengths, matching them yeah. up. But yeah, their strengths. Like we, we assign our more technical writers to technical clients, lifestyle writers to like lifestyle clients, that that sort of stuff. Um, so there's that, and then also writers availability. So some writers just get full, and I can't assign them anymore. And and so for that reason, like we kind of have to mix and match. So um, and just yeah. I have a question. I know I interject a lot in these things just to try and bring out the kind of the key um, learnings, I guess. How do you, I mean, obviously, when you, you tried the pod thing, how did you discover that this wasn't working? Was it feedback from the team? Well, we was didn't, it complaints? Was it? Well, did we didn't get very far with it. We, we discussed moving to that, to like a pod structure. And then as soon as we started looking at the list of people and clients, we're like, wait, this is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's yeah. working with your team though and taking feedback from them around what, you know, what's going to work or what's not really. Yeah. I have, um, one of our, we have a team manager who she used to be a project manager. Now she's just kind of a, an internal team manager and she helps out with that sort of stuff. Like, um, basically supporting everybody on the team, but also helping to, Manage improve resources. our systems yeah. and yeah and supply yeah, demand so, is the whole big thing to manage yeah in businesses like mine and yours this supply demand is what you're always trying to balance yeah yep so um okay so then we talked before the show uh, and the year I, I really want to delve into this when you've got so you've got great systems and processes going um you know you've got good communication between the teams you're using systems so obviously you mentioned slack which is a great communication channel we talk about that channel, um, that tool all the time on this show. What about when you bring somebody new into the team? Because the biggest challenge I see people having is sort of the second challenge. The first one is when you don't have systems and processes. And then the second one is when you do have a lot of systems and processes and you've built your whole task list and then you just bring someone in and you fire it at them and say, goodbye, off you go, just do the job. Talk to me about where the pitfalls yeah. are in doing that. Well, yeah, it, you know, we are highly systemized at this point. We have a ton of processes and I think actually a, maybe a problem that I'm trying to somehow improve is new, new people coming into the team. 
tend to get really overwhelmed and like there's too much for them to take in. Um, yeah. So I've tried to improve that in a few ways, but um, one thing that I just recently did, so just the, last week I hired two new project managers. So we have two and now we've added a third and a fourth. Um, and I bit like a couple of weeks ago, I created a, like an internal training course for new project managers to go through. Um, cause that role in particular is really difficult to get up to speed on writers. It's easier for them to come into the team VAs. It's kind of easy for them to come in, but project managers not only need to just follow the processes, but they need to be able to like, they need to learn our best practices and they need how to, to think deal with, like with you different guys situations. Yeah, yeah. And deal with things the way, the way your company voice does or your company sort of brand. And I know that's, that's a real challenge. Yeah. And you could end up yeah, just firing so it, people. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, they're useless and just fire them. Whereas that's yeah, just and, not looking at it properly. Right. So I, I put together this, um, this training course and like this week they're going through it. And it basically it's just a series of videos and slides um, and I, I point off to some of our key processes that they'll need to be aware of, but some of the videos are just like, here, here are kind of our best practices and, and the guidelines, like our goals of, of, of this role and, and just trying to like give my mind share on that and not have to, so I recorded it so I don't have to do it, you know, live every time. Um, which is a lot yeah, of work so that, in itself, you, you know, but again, yeah, you've so taken on that role of, of, of making sure that you, you have to do that work basically, or else you've got to do it live every time, which is a total right. waste of your time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I spent about a week just creating that, that training. Um, so they're doing that now. And then next week, the, those new project managers will begin to shadow our other project managers. And then probably the week after they'll start to actually take on, uh, clients for them to manage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what about, so the, these project managers, are they based in the U.S.? Yes. Actually, one is in Canada now. But so, all of our, yeah. uh, all all of our writers and managers are, are in the U.S. and one guy in Canada now. So what I love about that, though, is that, you know, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about, you know, I mean, obviously the challenges with places like the Philippines or India or whatever or Eastern Europe can be different, of course, with, you know, different cultural blocks and all these sorts of things. But when it comes to training and onboarding, I just think if you've got, you've got to be realistic about your processes around that and that people, no matter where they are and how experienced they are, need to be trained properly and onboarded with your particular business, the way your business functions, the way your business voice is. And that can take time, regardless of how experienced they are. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it gets easier when you hire multiple people. Like yes. hi hiring the very first writer is a lot of work. And then the second and third, it gets easier. Um, so what advice yeah. would you give to somebody? Let's say that somebody has just hired that first person and they're really struggling. The person is good. They've got a good resource there, but it's just, it's not working. What, what do you think, what, what would you do in that situation? How do you sort of manage that or without getting rid of the person? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's kind of gut feel for like, it, either one of two things are happening. One, the person is just, they're not picking things up. They're, you know, it's, it's for lack of a better word, like it's their fault. Or they're, they're mm. coming in late. They're not showing up. Like those are real problems. And maybe, maybe they're just not going to work out. And I've, I've run into that from time to time, but more often than not, if they made it through the hiring process and they come on board, they are a really good communicator. They are, they're, they are really talented and smart. So, um, 
it's usually a, a process issue, especially early on. So, um, I think the tip that I would have is just to really be open about, um, the fact that other people won't come to a, a task or come to a project in the same way that, that I will. Yeah. Um, so I have to try to put myself into their shoes and like, like I'm a, I'm a very visual thinker, but not everybody thinks that way. So, you know, you have to account for how people tend to learn and tend to pick things up. Um, the other thing is, uh, especially as you start to really remove yourself from the process, um, it's better to start relying on your team to suggest ways to improve the process or have them just come up with the processes themselves because they're on the ground, they're doing it every day. They know all the tips and tricks and, and shortcuts and everything. And so, you know, rather than dictate how something should be done, just you let me know. I mean, I'll, I'll coach them on it a bit, but you know, that's, that helps as well. Yeah, I think it's good as well to engage because then it becomes more of a collaboration thing rather than, you know, I'm the boss, you're the, the thing and here's how I do it. And if it's not working, because mm-hmm. sometimes it can be, you know, uh, as you say, some people are more visual, others like audio, others like to actually have steps written down. And what I see is people who are very visual actually can sometimes find it very difficult to write steps in a not that's not stream of consciousness writing so i i've often been asked to review tasks where one of our vas might be really struggling and we've seen that it's a great person um but the task is not happening and sometimes i'll look at the task and go oh my god even i don't know what because i'm a reading person i'm a word person and i'll look at it and think oh my god even i don't know what the client wants because it'll just be like one big long sentence or like a huge paragraph with no punctuation or anything. And it's right, like, right. it's like the person just literally did a brain dump, but it probably yeah. was good in their head, but it's just complete gobbledygook on paper. And yep. we, we'll, we'll have to go back to the client. And I mean, how do you say, you know, look, we, we actually don't know what you want. So I always encourage clients to sort of try to write in bullet points. You know, you've got to, if it's a writing thing, you've got to try to, or potentially work with the person that you're working with and together collaborate on how you create the process better. Because their experience of your process is is an interesting one to look at. Yeah, and you know, I I think um, it obviously it depends on what type of project it is that yeah. you're, that you're working on. But um, you know, I, I, a thing that I get asked a lot um, is how do you outsource uh, something that requires talent or expertise or you know? Because I talk to a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm this analyst or I'm this really strong designer, but how do I how can other people design like I can, or how can I get clients to trust my company if it's not me doing the design oh, yeah, work? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, you know, how do you um, answer that one? <laughs> well, I mean, if you think like audience ops is just, like I'm not writing the articles for our clients and audience ops. We have a team of really talented writers who are much better writers than I am. Yeah. Um, so, what we do is, uh, I hi- first of all, I obviously hire very talented uh, writer or whatever comp- whatever your company does hire highly talented people who have that particular skill set and that particular experience but then you can build a system and a process around the creative process right so every article that we write is completely original completely unique it's the writer's work they're coming up with the idea they're doing the research but at the end of the day it's it's created it's planned it's produced it's delivered in the same systematic way and and on the same schedule and, um, and I, we yeah. set, you know, yeah. What I so. love about that is I'm always saying to people, 
you can have flexibility within a structure. If you have like total, like, I mean, creativity is fantastic, but when you're trying to run a business like, you know, something that's scalable or you want to build processes into something that is more of a creative thing, you can place structure, you know, there still can be structure without killing creativity, but no structure at all kind of just causes chaos in lots of ways, depending on the business that you're running, but it can cause chaos for you. Yeah, it's it's chaos internally at the company. It doesn't set uh, any sort of expectations with the client, or they're left wondering what's happening. And you know, because um, when you have that, that structure, yeah, I find that sometimes clients will come in and say, "I just want to get a VA." I mean, this is obviously me talking about VAs, but I just want to get a VA, and I just want to get rid of all my live chat, email. I just want them to do it, and I just want them to show initiative and come up with ideas. And I think, yeah, this sounds a bit loose to me, <laughs> you know, like that can happen if you you could get a total rock star that just gets you completely and gets your business completely. But it's unlikely that you're going to have that outcome if you don't want to have any involvement in it. So some people just want to get rid of it as opposed to delegate it, which is a different thing. Right. Getting, getting rid of it, you probably should just hire an agency that's going to just take it over for you. But really with business, you, there, you have to kind of, have oversight over the things that are going on with your brand. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, especially when you're working remotely. Yeah. So just to wrap up, I want to talk a bit, bit about the, the content piece. So talk to me um, about how effective, you know, there's also structure with content. So for clients that are coming to you to get you guys to manage, I mean, I know people literally come to you and you take over the entire content management piece for them from creating the content, getting it up on their site so that they literally can, this is, this is getting rid of it actually in lots of ways to you guys. Um, how effective, first of all, why do people really need content these days and why does it need to be consistently, um, produced and distributed and leveraged? Yeah, sure. So, um, Yeah, so a a lot of companies, I mean, all all across the board, but we work with a lot of uh, online businesses, software businesses, some online services, some e-commerce businesses. And so um, they know that uh, when they're publishing content on a consistent basis and it's high quality, insightful, original, educational, that tends to bring in organic traffic number one. So that's, that's the, the first benefit they're coming, they're, they're going for. Um, and the consistency of, of publishing content over a long period of time, that helps you steadily grow your organic traffic. It, you, what we see a lot with clients is, um, they go from having very spiky traffic, like they'll have a launch or they'll have a PR hit or something. And that gives them a good spike, but then it goes back down. Whereas once they start to really build up their archive of quality content, uh, that gives them more places on their site that can be found in search engines and social media and so on. So, that, I mean, that's one, but I, I think even more important than that is, um, uh, being able to nurture leads who come to your site and they're not necessarily ready to buy today, but they're interested or they're interested at least in the topic that you, or the, the, the space that you operate in. So they're willing to give their email address to get, a an educational resource or something actionable that they can use. And then they're on your email list and then you have content assets in place to follow up with them, come back to their inbox every week. And when they do get into a mode of being ready to hire or buy a solution to that particular problem, your name comes to mind because you've been following up with them. I mean, if you think about 
like let's say you're running ad campaigns to sell a product um what like five percent or ten percent conversion rate is really good right if you can get five or ten percent of people to buy immediately that's great but the other ninety percent what's happening to them like they need to be followed up with and nurtured over time and that's where that's where content comes in and what about what would you say what is the what is the tool that you use in your business? And let's sort of talk about more the internal workings and the structure of systems and managing teams. What's the sort of number one tool that has kind of nailed this whole um, streamlining of your business for you guys that you couldn't do without now? Um, yeah, I'd say today it's probably Trello. That's a pretty we, yeah. we're, we're, we use that pretty heavily internally. Um, that would be one. Uh, but... You know, we, we, this year we're also we've also rolled out our own content calendar software called Ops Calendar, and that's um, uh, that it's basically planning a, an editorial content calendar, but it also weaves in social media scheduling and uh, per, analytics, performance tracking, so you could see your content um, traffic to each individual piece of content on your calendar, which is a little bit difficult to pull out of Google Analytics. And so we've been building that tool. It's still kind of young, but um, that's coming along. Um, and so, but we're still heavily using Trello in terms of managing the, that production line of articles every week. Um, the other big one that we use for client communication is help scout. Okay. Uh, so, uh, if you're not familiar with help scout, it's like a help desk software, um, where the cut to the customers, they only see our email address. Hello at audienceops.com. Um, so they interact with that, but then we receive that in help scout where we can assign it to the correct manager. We can, uh, have tickets, we can have, um, internal notes, you know, private, not. Is it know, kind so, of like Zendesk sort of thing? Or I haven't really, I've heard of help. Scout, yeah. But I haven't investigated this one yet. It's, it's similar. It's like the same sort of tool as, as Zendesk is, except I think it's a little bit better in my experience because Sounds it's like totally, yeah. yeah, it's totally invisible to the clients. Like they don't have to log into anything. They just send an email and, and to them it's just a normal email, but to us, we have our oh, organization and, and systems and, and it's also a way for us to, like now we have four project managers, right? So, and they're, they're each managing different clients, but we don't want to have to have emails siloed in ashley at audienceops.com and cat at audienceops.com and you, you know what i mean so yeah, we only if somebody have one leaves e- then i mean this is the whole challenge right. of if that person leaves then you've got all these emails and a private email address right you don't right. want to have i mean and i would say to the, we don't do this in our business either we, we have tried to centralize you got to have, try and centralize your email flow somehow so that you don't lose yeah. things if people yeah don't. and like within help scout we have th- that email address for service i've got a separate one for just for sales um, and then, uh, the other nice thing about it is we're constantly, uh, collaborating or communicating internally about conversations we're having with clients. So one of my project managers can, can send me a message on Slack and say, here's my conversation with that client about this thing. Here's the link to it. And I can just go click it. And now I'm viewing that email in help scout. Um, yes. we do that pretty <laughs> this is such great stuff because you know what every person we've had on this show not one person that we've ever interviewed does not use a project management tool so it might be trello could be podio asana you know Basecamp, any of them really um, and then a communication some form of communication tool like some people just use asana for that there's slack there's you know but this ties the team together and makes everything 
you know, people, um, it connects everybody, which is really important yep. if you want to get the team to work effectively together. Totally. I'm, I'm constantly telling the team, you know, whenever you're, uh, bringing something up to me, escalating, whatever, always be sure to include the help scout conversation link, the Trello card link, the Google doc, what, and, and Google doc is the other ones that, yeah. you know, we use that pretty heavily too. Um, yeah. And the other, and, and like on that note, I also T like in Trello, so every article that we're producing gets a card in Trello. I always want there to be a history of everything that happened on that article in in the comment feed on that card. So we could see this was the date that the writer started the draft, then they finished it on this date, then it went to the editor, and then there was a comment on it, then the, the client gave us some feedback, and then this thing happened with it. And so I could just go into any article and see like the last four weeks, what happened. And there's a process right there that a lot of people wouldn't think of, you know, so you've created a process around how to use the Trello, how to use Trello as well. So this is right. getting deeper, even deeper into kind of processes and systems in order to make your team effective. Listen, that's been so insightful. I could go on all day about this, but I think the key, the key things I've taken from this is, you know, you've got it like systems and processes are key, but you have to keep evolving them bringing your team together, making sure that you've got effective communication and not just chatting with each other um, in order to keep things running smoothly. And, and onboarding and training is the other one you've got to really get right. Um, Brian, thank you so much for sharing all of that. So if people want to get in touch with you, they, they head over to Brian, uh, what is it, castjam.com? Yep. Yeah. Cashjam.com is my personal site. And audienceops.com. If you guys want to get some, uh, if you want to outsource your content, content creation, um, and getting your, your content on your site really moving in a consistent way. Brian, thanks so much for sharing. Um, guys, if you loved this show, then try jump over to iTunes and give us a, a review and a rating. We'd love to get this show out to more people. Uh, and also, if there's something you'd like us to talk about, you can join the conversation on our Facebook group, which is Virtual Success on Facebook. And just let us know what topic you'd like us to cover or someone you'd like us to interview on this topic. Until next time, see you then. Thank you for listening to the Virtual Success Show. If you found this show helpful, take a moment to share it with a friend so that we can all grow together. Find out more about the inside scoop on outsourcing success by going to our website, virtualsuccessshow.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.